He said there was a great door of opportunity that was given to me, an effectual door of opportunity that was open unto me, but with it came many adversaries. Can I talk to somebody tonight that's headed to promotion? Can I talk to somebody tonight that's holding your head down because folk don't like you? Can I talk to somebody tonight because the favor of God is on your life? Can I talk to somebody tonight that God is opening up some doors and some of the folk that used to like you don't like you no more? Can I talk to some of the folk that you see God doing great things in your life and God is moving in a miraculous way, but people are acting funny with you? Can I talk to some of the people that are headed into the bread? the purposes of God. Can I tell you that every now and then you need to get used to the fact that when you have acceleration and elevation, it will bring your enemies out the woodwork. Touch somebody says something bound to happen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Come and join us in the sanctuary as we listen in on a dynamic word from our senior pastor, Dr. Gina M. Stewart. You take your seat, shout my title to your neighbor, tell him, but God kept me alive. I want to talk tonight from the subject, but God kept me alive. One writer has stated that adversity is a painful teacher. Adversity is another word for misfortune. It's a word for calamity and distress and for unfortunate and unfavorable events that bring difficult and unfavorable or bitter moments into our lives. One writer said adversity can be a painful teacher. And some of us have lived long enough to experience the sting of adversity. It could be the heartache of having to work in a hostile work environment. It could be the discouragement of losing a job. It can be the force being forced into foreclosure, a sudden reduction of status. Adversity can force us into downsizing our lives, selling our homes, struggling because of an unforeseen illness. Adversity can mean having to start over because of a stock market crash or because of a divorce that leaves you financially strapped or even a major calamity. It can mean that the person, for the person who suddenly finds themselves unable to work months of waiting for disability. And sometimes going through the screening process over and over again and appealing the process just to get the money to help you make ends meet. For people who are fleeing persecution from totalitarian regimes, it can mean running and fighting for your life. Even worse, adversity, when it is unexpected, can, as we have found out with the recent government shutdown, and as many unemployed persons have discovered, adversity can mean standing in line for government assistance and waiting for unemployment checks to come. But there's another test that many of us do not consider or think about that could be and can be even worse than adversity, and that is the test of advancement. Most of us wouldn't consider that advancement would be a good teacher. But the Scottish historian and essayist once declared that adversity is hard on a man, but for one man who can stand prosperity, there are hundreds that will stand adversity. 
Chuck Swindoll once argued that few people can live in the lap of luxury and maintain their spiritual, emotional, and moral equilibrium. He suggests that sudden elevation often disturbs our balance, which leads to pride and a sense, come on here, of self-sufficiency. And some of us know that pride often goes before destruction. Swindoll argues that it's ironic, but more of us can hang tougher through a demotion than we can through a promotion. And it is at this level that a godly leader shows just what they're made of. He says that it is at this level that a godly leader shows himself or herself to be strong. The right kind of leader knows how to handle promotion and how to handle honor. And I want to suggest tonight that Daniel was the kind of leader who knew how to handle honor and advancement. In fact, in the third verse of our preaching passage, the King James Version of this same text says that Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because he had an excellent spirit in him. And because he had this excellent spirit, the king was so impressed with Daniel, with his integrity, with his character, with the fact that he had a good attitude and that he was, he was easy to work with and that he could be trusted and that he was trustworthy and reliable that the king sought or thought to set Daniel over the whole realm. And that's a word for somebody tonight to see that Daniel, even though he is in a foreign place, and even though he is in a place where he should not have flourished, that when the Lord is with you, and that when you have the right spirit, no matter where you are, God can cause you to prosper in spite of your context. Daniel was a trusted official of the land, and he had earned the confidence not just of Nebuchadnezzar, but he had also earned the confidence of Darius, the king under whom he served in tonight's text. Those of us who need to know the background to understand the breakdown, to give you the breakdown, to understand the background, need to know that Daniel was initially taken into captivity by the Babylonians as a slave. But what is amazing about his, his, um, his situation or about his story is that Daniel prospered and was promoted in spite of his immigrant status. Can you just nudge somebody said, doesn't matter where you come from. It's all about where God is trying to take you. And even when you run into some detours, I can't get no help. On your way to destiny, if God be for you, he is more than the world against you. Daniel is proof in the text that the Bible is right. Your gift will make room for you. Look at somebody say, can I shout now? Do I need to wait? Somebody needs to hear that tonight, that the Bible is right. Proverbs 18 and 16 says, a man, an inclusive generic term for male and female, man's gift will make room for him and will bring him before great men. I like the way the common English Bible puts it. It says a gift opens the way for access to important people. I need to come back and get somebody. I'm talking to the gifted folk in here. I'm talking to the people that are using your gift. I'm talking to the people who have discovered that God 
has placed something down on the inside of you. You don't have to put cards together. You don't have to meet people telling them who you are. When you meet them, just use your gift for the glory of God. And somebody will see your gift, and your gift will make room for you. Somebody shouted, open the way for access to important people. Note that the text doesn't say your education will make room for you. I'm not against education. I'm going to school right now, but your education won't make room for you. I believe in education. It doesn't say your intellect will make room for you. I believe and I appreciate people with great intellect. It doesn't say your money. And we know that money does help. Money is a medium of exchange. But it doesn't say your money will make room for you. It doesn't say that your connections will make room for you. It doesn't say flattery or manipulation or domination will bring you before great people. It doesn't even say good looks will bring you before great people. It says your gift. Just nudge somebody say your gift. Your gift, your gift, your gift. Your gift will make room for you. And that's a word for somebody tonight because Daniel's gift made room for him in the land of captivity. Daniel's gift, now remember Daniel was a dreamer. Remember Daniel was the one who had the ability to interpret dreams. Daniel's character, Daniel's integrity, Daniel's gifts made room for him so much so that Daniel, according to the text, or I should say Darius, the king was considering making Daniel and putting Daniel in charge of the whole realm. He was considering promoting Daniel to a place of unprecedented status. Daniel experienced acceleration and elevation in a place that he, because that he should not have succeeded because he had an excellent spirit. Touch somebody and tell them it pays to have an excellent spirit. I know we're living in a time where most people think that you can advance without having the right attitude. But nudge somebody tell me your attitude will determine your altitude. Because some people still don't expect to advance that way. We live in a culture where people still believe that the fast track is the best track. We live in a culture where all around us we see people taking shortcuts and taking ethical shortcuts. We live in a world where people chase after success and try to obtain success by any means necessary. We live in a culture that seems to reward greed and dishonesty and cheating and immorality and unethical living. We live in a world that seems to reward unbridled ambition. Oh, but Daniel's gift made room for him. And because he had an excellent spirit, somebody shout an excellent spirit. Because he was a man of character and integrity, because my suspicion is that he tried to do things right. He tried to live with authenticity and not take ethical shortcuts or practice situational ethics. He lived by his conviction and was not given to compromise and in spite of the fact that he was in a foreign place, Daniel reminds us that there is something to be said when we aspire to have the right kind of attitude wherever we are. Because wherever we are, because God is everywhere, and because God is transcendent, and because God cannot be stopped, and because God is sovereign, God can bless us wherever we are. Can you stop and give God some praise that God can bless you wherever you are? When you're in an environment where people don't expect you to excel, when you're in, a in an environment where people try to engineer your downfall, when God is for you, he is more than the world against you, no matter what the culture says. 
I want to suggest to you tonight, we should make every effort to honor God in every situation and every circumstance. Can you just nudge somebody and say, make every effort to honor God in every situation and in every circumstance? You see, the problem with many of us, we don't want to honor God until somebody looking. Problem with many of us, we don't want to honor God until we think it's going to give us some credit. The problem with most of us is that we don't want to honor God unless we think there's some inherent benefit attached to it. But can you nudge a neighbor and say, but if you learn how to honor God in every circumstance, in every situation, you'll be surprised at the doors that God will open. I ought to have some witnesses in here tonight that know that God opened some doors for you, not because you were the smartest, not because you had all the credentials, not because you knew the right people, but because you knew how to honor God in every circumstance and in every situation. Clap your hands and give God some praise. That's what Daniel did. His gifts made room for him. His gifts made room for him, and it brought about acceleration and elevation. But how many of you know that acceleration and elevation does not come without adversaries? Somebody shout adversaries. In the common vernacular, we call them haters. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. He said, there was a great door of opportunity that was given to me, an effectual door of opportunity that was open unto me, but with it came many adversaries. Can I talk to somebody tonight that's headed to promotion? Can I talk to somebody tonight that's holding your head down because folk don't like you? Can I talk to somebody tonight because the favor of God is on your life? Can I talk to somebody tonight that God is opening up some doors and some of the folk that used to like you don't like you no more? Can I talk to some of the folk that you see God doing and great things in your life and God is moving in a miraculous way but people are acting funny which I cannot talk to some of the people that are headed into the, the purposes of God can I tell you that every now and then you need to get used to the fact that when you have acceleration and elevation it will bring your enemies out the woodwork touch somebody and say something bound to happen when God starts to promote you, something is bound to happen. When God begins to open doors, I can't get no help in here. Something is bad. Maybe you're jealous. Maybe that's your problem. Maybe that's why you can't clap. Maybe you're not the one getting promoted, but you're mad about somebody that's getting promoted. Maybe that's why I can't get no help in here. Perhaps that I'm talking to the wrong crowd. Maybe the reason why we cannot understand that at, at acceleration and elevation brings about adversaries because we're not the one getting promoted. We're the one looking at the folk that are being promoted. But tell somebody it's bound to happen. Whatever this spirit must have been, it brought out something. Look at somebody said to bring something out. To bring something out in the satraps who resented Daniel's success. It's hard to wrap your mind. It's hard to wrap our mind around it. But based on what we read in the text. The satraps, their only reason, uh, Adrian, for disliking Daniel was that he was successful. Touch your neighbor and say, sometimes you ain't got to do nothing but succeed. 
I can't get no help in here. I'm talking to the wrong crowd. Look at the other side. I said, sometimes all you got to do is succeed. You ain't got to say nothing to folk. You ain't got to do nothing. You ain't got to try. Ain't nobody talking to me. Look at somebody. I said, all I did was try to succeed. All I did was try to do right. All I did was get my listen. I ain't talking to nobody. All I did was did my homework when the rest of them was out those smoking cigarettes. All I did was put in the time when everybody else was taking an overtime extended lunch. All I did was did what I was supposed to do. Look at somebody. I said, all I did was succeed. You don't have to do nothing. And I know that's Ebonics, but touch your neighbor so you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything to folk for them to dislike you. This is what happened with Daniel. He didn't do anything to these folk. The only thing he had done was succeeded, but because he was succeeding, they plotted against him and mistreated him because of his success. It's an interesting phenomenon, but success will make enemies. And I know some of us have stayed up at night and wondered, why don't they like me? Come on, y'all ain't, ain't going to talk to me tonight. I know some of us have wondered, why don't they talk to me? I know some of us have wondered, why is it that they're always trying to get even with me? Why are they always plotting against me? What is it about me that makes them dislike? It's real quiet in here tonight. It's real quiet as we talk about how success will make enemies. Can I tell you why it makes enemies? It's because of that emotion called jealousy. I know you're finna swell up now, but touch your neighbor, say, go on, swell up, because she's going to talk about this for a minute. Go on and swell up so I can talk about jealousy. Somebody shout jealousy. It's the feeling of showing envy of someone of their achievements and their advancements. One writer called jealousy the sin that nobody talks about. Oh, yeah, we like to talk about sin, but we don't like to talk about jealousy. We like to talk about who's sleeping in whose bed, and we like to talk about who committing adultery, and we like to talk about who stole money, but we don't talk about the sin that nobody talks about. Somebody shout jealousy. It's what caused Cain and Abel to have friction and caused Cain to take Abel's life. It's what caused Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. It's why King Saul tried to kill David. It's why Absalom tried to steal the kingdom from his own dad is somebody shout jealousy. It's what caused three gifted Renaissance artists, Michelangelo, Ra Raphael, and Leonardo da Vinci to despise each other, notwithstanding the fact that all of them were skillful artists, but all of them were bitterly jealous of each other. It's why Boo Boo Kitty, as Cookie would call her, on Empire, I can't remember her name, all I can remember is that she called her Boo Boo Kitty, the light-skinned woman with the short hair. It used to be, she didn't have babies by everybody. I don't even know who she... She married some everybody. She married to and she married to what's what's the name? And what's the oldest boy's name? I can't even think of his name. Well, yeah, she the one the one that's got the one that's got issues. Andre, she's married to Andre. Then she had a baby by the baby boy, and then she went and went back and married to daddy. It's Boo Boo Kitty. Y'all know about Boo Boo Kitty. Some of y'all don't act like you don't watch Empire. Come on. It's why Boo Boo Kitty could push Andre's wife down the stairs because she was jealous that she was consumed with jealousy about her unborn child. It's what makes us dislike co-workers and church members and sorority sisters. It's what makes us walk up to people and say ignorant stuff like you think you cute. It's what makes us walk up to people and say ridiculous things to people that can sing and say you think you can sing, don't you? No, we know we can sing, but you just mad because you can't sing. It's what makes us say silly, ignorant stuff to people that say you think you better than other folk. It's what makes us compete with people who don't even know we in competition with them. It's what makes us stop talking to folk and they don't even know what we mad about. Somebody shout jealousy. 
jealousy. It focuses on status and lifestyle and relationship and houses and even looks of others. And I need to tell you tonight, nobody is immune to it. Touch your neighbor, say, ain't nobody immune to jealousy. Because it plays into our insecurities. Can I tell you why we're jealous? Because all of us are insecure. And you know, ain't no, no, don't, don't, even, don't even try to push it out your mouth. The truth of the matter is all of us got insecurities. We may not be insecure about the same thing, but all of us are insecure about something. And whether we want to admit it or not, we all have insecurities. Go on and nudge somebody so they can get free and tell them, I got some insecurities. You can't look at me and tell it, but I got some insecurities. You can't can't look at me and tell that I'm jealous of some folk, but I am jealous of some folk. Come on, preach to somebody. Tell you can't look at me. Go talk about yourself tonight. You're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about ourselves tonight. Nudge your neighbor, say you can't look at me and tell it, but I got some insecurities. That's why sometimes jealousy manifests itself as fear and resentment of other folks' success. That's why you can't clap when other folk get promoted. That's why you can't celebrate other people. That's why you think some folk get too much attention. It's been call insecurity. Somebody shout jealousy. It manifests itself as fear and resentment so we speak against the other person or we go on a vendetta to hurt them or hurt their credibility to keep them from being admired by other people. We start whispering campaigns behind their back. We saunter up to people that we think might like them, that we think might be attracted to them. People that we think may have influence with them and we try to paint them in a different light so that people People can change their perception about us. And all of a sudden, we wondering why folk acting funny and half speaking and looking at us out the corner of our eye, out of their eye. It's because jealousy, that green-eyed monster, has held us captive and caused us to do the will of the adversary. I'm going to keep moving on, but y'all going to holler, jealousy. And it was because of jealousy that Daniel landed in a lion's den. Look at somebody said, jealousy will land you in some interesting places. Although Daniel had earned the respect of the king, he had the respect of the administration. He had shown the king that he was a man with an excellent spirit. His success brought out anger and resentment and jealousy among his peers. You see, they were angered by Daniel's success. They were angered because of Daniel's character. They were angered because Daniel had favor on his life. They could not stand to see Daniel's success. And so they did what most people do when they're jealous. They start looking for something to discredit you. They will even try to use your strength as a weakness against you. Have you ever wondered why people try to make your strength a weakness? Have you ever wondered why people try to take the very thing that, that, that makes you who you are, the very gift that God has given to you, and people will try to twist that gift to make the light that is in you look like darkness? Daniel's friends were so jealous of him that they started trying to look for flaws in his character so that the king would have a reason to demote him. And so they do what most people do. It's one thing to be jealous by yourself, but it's another thing when you recruit other people to conspire against other folk. Look at somebody say, it's all right for you to be jealous by yourself. Y'all not be jealous, but since you're going to be jealous, go on be jealous by yourself. But why is it that when you're jealous, we can't just be jealous by ourselves. We have to recruit a club of folk to help us start a conspiracy so that we can work against the person so that we can bring them down. But you ought to give God some praise for every time somebody tried to bring you down and it did not work. 
work. You ought to thank God for every time somebody lied on you and it did not work. You need to thank God for every co-worker that tried to set a trap for you and make you look bad in front of the boss and put your own blast and threw you under the bus. You need to take a minute and clap your hands and give God some praise that even though the weapon was formed against you, it did not prosper. I ain't trying to go across the field right now, but I feel my help right here. Can you high-five somebody and tell them they tried it, but it didn't work? It's in the text. I ain't making none of this up. It's all in the Bible. That's why I made you read 20, made you listen to 24 verses. His haters began to look for a way to bring him down. They did everything they could. They tried to find flaws in his character. If I could use my sanctified imagination, they probably went back and tried to find some old girlfriend. They probably went back and tried to find when he used to smoke reefer. They probably went back and tried to find if he had a prison record. Ain't nobody talking. They probably went back and tried to find out if he had ever cheated on his wife, if he had ever been married. They were looking for all kinds of dirt to bring Daniel down. But the good news is, is that in spite of what they looked for and in spite of what they were trying to find they could find nothing to use against him the only thing that they could use against Daniel was that he had an uncompromising faith and it can be a disconcerting thing for us to discover that there are people who make it their life's ambition to bring us down it can be a disconcerting thing to find out that there are people who will work overtime to find ways to keep us from advancing, especially if they think we are on, their, on our way up. They're on every job. They're in every church. They're in every sorority. They're in every fraternity. And we don't have to do anything. Sometimes they don't even have to, if they can't find it, they'll make it up. They'll kind of find fake news. They'll find satire. They'll make it up even if they think they can hurt you. They try to poison others and say things about us behind our back. They call our intentions into question. They try to lead other people to think we're not authentic. They'll say things like, well, you know them, but you don't know them like I do. They'll use innuendo and power of suggestion to discredit us. They'll try to use our strengths as a weakness. That's what Daniel's enemies tried to do to him. But Daniel was so squeaky clean that the only thing they could find fault with Daniel about was Daniel's faith. Can I tell you, it's a mighty good thing when you can live your life in such a way that the only thing people can complain about is your faith. It's a mighty good thing. I thought y'all would clap about that. That the only thing that people can fuss about is the fact that you love God too much. It's a mighty good thing. I can't get no help. I thought I was in the right church. That the only thing people can say about you is that your faith is your weakness or they find fault with your faith. The only thing they could find fault with about Daniel is that Daniel had a strong faith. And so they went to the king and they used one of the tools of manipulation. They used flattery to stroke the ego of King Darius. Darius. And they tried and they tried to convince him to sign a writing and to tell him that anyone found praying to his God would be thrown into a lion's den. I can see them in my sanctified imagination now trying to convince Darius just how important it was 
was to make to make this writing or to sign this writing. I could see them now trying to discredit Daniel, unbeknownst to the king, that what they were really trying to do was bring down one of his trusted officials, one of his chief administrators. I can see them in my sanctified imagination trying to make the king believe that trying to issue a decree or get the king to put a put something in writing and make it a matter of law so that it would discredit Daniel and not only discredit Daniel but disable Daniel but this is where the text blesses my entire soul look at somebody say her entire soul this is where the text really lets me know that God will take care of you no matter what folk try to do to you this is where the text lets me know that even when people are plotting against you that if God be for you he's more than the world against you the text tells us that even though they convinced the king to put in writing that anybody who was found praying to their God would be thrown into a lion's den I'm sure that when Daniel got the news when Daniel initially heard that the writing had been signed he was probably somewhat shattered and shaken up I'm sure that Daniel was probably trying to figure out why the king who has given him such authority and knows what his faith tradition is would allow himself to be tricked or uh, seduced into signing such a writing. I'm sure that Daniel probably wondered what was he going to do or possibly felt some anxiety about his next steps. But this is where the text blesses my whole soul because it's here that we learn the importance of honoring our commitment to God. Here is where we learn that there comes a time when commitment was tr must transcend convenience. Here is where we learn that commitment to stand by our conviction is where the rubber meets the road. His enemies thought that they had found a weak spot in Daniel and they knew that because Daniel was so committed to praying that Daniel would end up doing exactly uh, going against the writing that had been signed. And I'm so glad that even though Daniel knew what the consequences were because the writing said that anyone found praying to their God would be thrown into a lion's den. I'm so glad that even though Daniel knew what the writing said, that Daniel would not compromise his faith because of the writing that had been signed. The text tells us in verse chapter 10 that when Daniel knew that the writing had been signed, look at your neighbor and say he knew exactly what he was doing. He was clear about he, what he was doing. He was clear about his commitment to God. He did not allow himself to be intimidated by the fact that the law was going to be broken. And furthermore, he was not even intimidated by the possibility that he could be thrown into a lion's den. It's in the text. We just read it. The text says that when Daniel knew that the writing would be signed, he got on his knees. He lifted up his window. He looked toward Jerusalem and he prayed three times a day, just like he did in the past. Look at somebody said, there's some things you can't afford to stop doing. There are some practices you can't afford to abandon. There are some choices that you can't afford to make. There are some commitments that we cannot afford to break. Because when you know where your help comes from, it's better to take your chances with God than to take the path of least resistance. The Bible tells us that Daniel kept on praying. And not only did he pray once a day, 
But he prayed three times a day in spite of the threat that was on his life. Despite the fact that he could be thrown in a lion's den. Daniel made a decision to trust the unwavering faithfulness of his God. The Bible tells us that when the writing was signed, he went into his house. He went into his chamber. The windows were open. He looked toward Jerusalem. He kneeled on his knees and he prayed and he gave thanks. Can somebody say sometimes you need to pray and give thanks? I don't know if I'd be praying if I thought that I was going to be thrown into a lion's den. But it says something not just about Daniel's commitment but it says something about his conviction look at your neighbor and say you gotta have commitment and you gotta have some conviction you gotta be fully persuaded that when you make a commitment to God God is gonna make a commitment to you you gotta be fully persuaded that when you decide to say for God I live and for God I die that God will take care of you I believe I got a few folk in here that have had to be in some situations where you have had to make some decisions that were not necessarily in your best interest, but you decided that you would trust God. And I wonder, do I have anybody in here tonight that found out that if you trust him, he'll make everything all right. The Bible said that he got on his knees and he didn't just pray. But he prayed and he gave thanks to God. And if I could use my sanctified imagination, I don't believe he was just thanking him for anything. I believe Daniel was thanking him for the victory that was going to be his. I believe Daniel was giving God a prophetic praise because he knew the kind of God that he served. Can you preach to your neighbor and tell him every now and then when you're staring at a lion's den, Instead of caving in, every now and then, you need to go ahead and thank God for the victory before the victory comes. Can you slap somebody on the hand and tell them every now and then, you need to give God a prophetic praise. You need to tell him thank you that he's going to show himself mighty and show himself strong. Do I have anybody in here? that's got a few enemies in your life. I stopped by to tell you tonight, don't worry about what they're trying to do to you, but be like Daniel and learn how to praise God in advance. Can you shake somebody's hand and tell them this shout is not because I don't have enemies, but this shout is because I'm fully convinced and I'm fully persuaded that no matter the situation, God is going to take care of me. Ah, oh, the Bible says that they threw Daniel in the lion's den. And the king came and he was concerned about what would happen to Daniel. He really didn't want to see Daniel thrown in the lion's den. But the decree had been signed and the law couldn't be changed. If I could speak right here, I would say he was the king. He could do whatever he wanted to do. But since he had signed it, he didn't want to go back on his word. So he says to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, protect you in the lion's den. The king couldn't sleep. The king couldn't eat. He tossed and turned all night long. Because it looked like the lions 
were going to have Daniel for lunch. It looked like the lions were going to eat Daniel up. But early, when the king got up, shake that hand and tell somebody early, when the king got up, he ran to the cave, ran to the lion's den, and he said, oh, Daniel, does your God, whom you serve, has he carried you continually? Did you serve continually? And, that, and what he didn't expect was that when he got to the cave, he expected to see clothes. He expected to see bones. He expected to see shreds. But when he got to the lion's den, Daniel cried with a loud voice, O king, live forever. The God I serve sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. Do I have anybody here that know that every now and then God will give the lion lockjaw to make sure that you don't get swallowed up? I wish I had a few people that know that God sent his angel so that the lions wouldn't destroy me. In other words, what Daniel is saying, I know you expected to find me dead, but God has kept me alive. He kept me alive because I served him. He kept me alive because I trusted him. He kept me alive because I honored him. He kept me alive because I'm committed to him. And I just stopped by to tell somebody tonight that you might have some haters. You might be attacked. You might have opposition. You might have people lying. But you ought to give God praise that even though they tried to take you out, it did not work. Grab that hand and tell somebody, I've been lied on, been treated, I've been talked about and mistreated. But thanks be to God that God kept me alive. Do I have anybody that has ever had obstacles in your way? Do I have anybody that has ever had traps set? Do I have anybody that knows what it's like to have some enemies? But grab that hand and tell your neighbor, God kept me alive in spite of my haters, in spite of the naysayers, in spite of the lies, in spite of the opposition. He kept me alive. Shout yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. Clap your hand and give God glory. Open your mouth and give him praise. Shake that hand. Tell him this shout is not because I haven't been through it, but God kept me alive. Can you look back over your shoulder and give God praise that it did not work? The weapon was formed, but it did not prosper. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Shake that hand. Say, he's my protector. He's my preserver. He's my provider. He's my way maker. 
He's my keeper. He's my wheel in the middle of a wheel. He's my shelter in the time of storm. Won't he make a way out of no way? Shout yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Grab somebody. Tell them God kept me alive. They tried to take me out. They tried to wipe me out. They tried to destroy me. But God kept me alive. Do I have anybody that have been through hell and high water, been through storm, been through the rain, been through sickness and through pain, but throw your head back and shout, God, God, Jehovah, the sick canoe, the battle fighter, he kept me alive. Shout yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. You want to clap your hands and give God glory. Look at somebody. Say, I shouldn't have made it. I'll not be here. I should have been taken out. Should have gone under. Should have lost it. Should have been wiped out. But nobody but Jesus. Nobody but the Lord. Shout yes, yeah. Yes! Yeah! Yeah! You ought to open your mouth. You ought to open your mouth. You ought to open your mouth and tell him he kept me alive. You, this, this message won't, be, won't mean nothing to you unless somebody has had to take you out. Unless you've had some opposition. Unless you've had some, some attacks unless you've had the enemy on your track can you open your mouth and give him praise that he made a way yeah 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 out of no way shout yeah grab your neighbor say I still got the promotion grab your neighbor say I still kept my job Grab your neighbor. Say, I'm still blessed in my going. Still blessed in my coming. Still blessed in the city. Still blessed in the field. Because can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Shout yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. Go find three people, tell him he kept me, he kept me. Go find three people, say he kept me alive. I should have died, but he kept me alive. The lion should have wore me out, but he kept me alive. They should have taken me out, but he kept me. He kept me. God, nobody but God. Nobody but God. In spite of racism, sexism, classism, God kept me alive. Yes, yeah, yes. Grab that hand. Tell him this shout is for my haters. This shout is for every lie. This shout is for every rumor. 
this shout is forever in your window. This shout is cause it didn't work. I'm not gonna wait till the battle is over, but I'm gonna go ahead and shout now. Do I have anybody that can shout now? Cause when I think of the goodness of Jesus, all that he done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah, yeah, hallelujah, yeah. Can you lift your hands and give God glory? Can you lift your hands and tell God thank you that he kept me alive? Tell somebody he kept me alive. He kept me alive. He kept me alive. He kept me. Come on, lift your hands. Can I tell you why you need to lift your hands? Because if it had been left up to your enemies. You would have been gone a long time ago. Come on, you know when you work with some folk that's done tried to get rid of you. You know you work with people that have set traps for you. You know you work with people that have deliberately set you up to get you fired. hear nobody saying nothing you know you work with people who have gone out of their way to discredit you to make you look bad in front of authorities I can't get no help in here maybe maybe I'm talking to the wrong church thank you for joining our podcast we pray that you were tremendously blessed by the word 